everyone. The reason why I just turned around then to look at the Buddha, that's what I want to talk about, is that if you look at um, a statue of a Buddha, most of them anyway, there's a little um, mark in the middle of the forehead there, like a little, little bulb. And um, it's referred to as the um, Ajna. A, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but A-J-N-A, Ajna. And so it represents um, the third eye. But what does the third eye mean? The, the third eye in, um, in yoga, um, in sort of very esoteric kind of teachings, um, the opening of the third eye is to do with um, uh, kind of powers of clairvoyance and psychic kind of phenomena. Um, and it's one of the chakras. I think it's the sixth chakra, that one there. Um, so the Buddha coming from a Hindu Indian background, you know, that's where it comes from. But um, the way, and, and in Zen, you find in Zen circles, in Zen monasteries and so on, um, someone like a monk might be might be referred to as um, having the eye, you know, having an, having an open eye or a clear eye. Um, but it doesn't mean the same as those esoteric traditions. Um, but what it is referring to is um, uh, being, being able to see clearly beyond dualistic thinking or a dualistic way of being in the world. And that's what I want to just say a few words about tonight, about dualistic thinking or dualistic way of relating in the world. They're, they're words we hear quite a lot um, in the sutras. Um, and it's basically referring to how human beings have a way of have seeing the world in this kind of split, polarised way. And, and it's like some of the ways we see that is the way that we, we split off life from death as though they're opposed to one another rather than part of a continuum. Um, even in Buddhism, we may even fall into a dualism of thinking there's enlightenment here and delusion there, you know. Whereas if you really look at the teachings, you see that they're, they're one and they're integrated. It's not some enlightenment out of su- outside of suffering. Mm-hmm. And then you, in everyday life, you, you have kind of what psychologists refer to as black and white thinking. People, it's either good or it's bad or it's right or it's wrong, it's true or it's false. That kind of thinking is very pervasive um, and very, it's popularised thinking. And a common one, um, which I talk about here sometimes too, which really pervades so many areas of our life, is, is optimism versus pessimism. You know? And in, in another teaching, um, another Dharma teaching around the eight, eight, the eight winds, there is that division between praise and blame, you know, and success and failure and fame and ignominy, you know, sort of winning, losing kind of way that we approach life. All of that is dualistic as well. And so when we practice sin um, and we do meditation year after year and retreat after retreat, something sh- does shift 
where we we get outside of that that very popularized very pervasive dualistic way of looking at the world and then we just see things as they are if you just see things as they are um, you, you get out of this split polarized conceptual framework that we project onto everything and it's quite quite different it's quite liberating to see the world in a non-dualistic kind of way it's quite different um, and and yet you're aware of living in a culture where it's it's all around you it's so pervasive um, that you could easily get caught up in it again too if you get hooked into it but one of the things I want to say about it briefly is that it's very easy to understand what dualistic thinking is intellectually you know people read books about it okay it's about polarizing and splitting and so on um, but there's a, a very big difference between understanding what it is intellectually and actually embodying it now, and beginning to understand it intellectually is a good beginning um, don't get me wrong it helps you to see that at least in a you know intellectual way which is a start um, but if you think it's just an intellectual understanding then you're missing the point of practice it's not until you actually as Joko said in one of her books like you know it in your bones not just in in your head like you know it in your bones that that's not the true nature of what life is of you know some projection of words and phrases and thoughts that split the world into this into this it's not split at all nothing split off and again it's also not a trick of language it's not a matter of just changing your language around instead of saying this or that into this and that right? again that might help to have that language frame but it goes it just goes much deeper than that into into an embodied way of being um, and then you're relating to life in a very different kind of way and getting out of a lot of the the reactivity that go what where there's dualism there's reactivity we're trying to cling to one side and reject the other you know um, so it goes hand in hand with reactivity um, and, and in the work that I do and also what Moira does we see dualistic relationships all the time you know and we use particular terms like pursuing and distancing or under functioning and over functioning to to describe the kind of patterns of dualism that actually form in relationships as well and so our, our aspiration not just as an individual but in the way we relate is to relate in a in a non-dualistic way get outside of those dualistic reactive patterns 